a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. For the first time in a while, welcome back, Rebels and Imperials, to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. Uh, we had to take an unplanned break for a number of reasons, but we are back today to talk about Star Wars Visions. I am Brian. With me, as always, are Liz and Matt. Hello, friends. Hey. Hello. It's good to be back. It is. It is. So, I, sorry, Liz, what? I was going to say, I've missed talking to both of you. Oh, well, thank you. I miss you as well. Mm-hmm. So we have nine episodes of Star Wars Visions to talk about, and before we get into sort of favorites, least favorites, etc., I just want to sort of set a baseline for our listeners. So of the three of us, I would say that Matt is clearly the anime guy. I would say that by default, I come in second. Mm-hmm. And Liz is probably the least anime interested. Is that cur- Liz? Would you agree well, with that? You read you read Shonen Jump, so he, yes. Here, here is what I will tell you: is that after I watched all nine episodes, I was like, you know, I feel like in my head, I I know what anime is, but I feel like I need to look up a definition to make sure that is what it is. So mm-hmm. I did look up a definition of the word anime, just, just to make sure I was clear before this podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, I think you're right. I'm third. Yeah. <laughs> Star Wars Japanimation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I, I want to sort of take this in reverse order. So Liz, as somebody who isn't super anime uh, fluent or experienced, what did you think of, of the style of these episodes? I I liked them a lot. I think maybe because it was something new. Um, if we're talking just about the style itself, I really liked that the style of all the different episodes were also different. They weren't all exactly the same. Um, as someone who maybe in terms of animation, you know, as a kid in the 80s, I watched 80s animation. Um, maybe more recently, like the 90s Batman cartoon where all the animation is kind of the same each episode also varied in animation which which i enjoyed yes i mean there is certainly a variety of styles present here um so i i would say of these nine episodes i liked or loved i i liked i strongly liked or loved six of the nine Mm -hmm. and my three of these favorites i still like enjoyed to kind of liked. I didn't dislike any of this. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt, what was your sort of macro opinion of this? I I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed seeing all the different kind of visual styles. It's kind of like a a nice really sampling of anime for um, those viewers who haven't really been exposed to it. A lot of different um, uh studios coming together and putting together a lot of different visions of it and what i visions. what i told i yeah visions you said it what <laughs> what i told eileen was and especially i mean we're obviously going to talk about it when we talk about the duel specifically but the idea that it's bringing star wars back to its roots because star wars is the visual is marrying the visuals of samurai films with the um, hero's journey archetype and those two things come together and we get spaceships and star Wars. Um, and to see that brought back to its samurai roots was really, really cool. And it felt so much more natural than I think some of the actual star Warsy stuff we've seen, um, in like the clone wars where things felt weird and forced. Um, this felt natural, it's much more natural to see, you know, a masterless Ronin Jedi than say, I don't know, a greasy diner um, in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> so I, I loved it. Yeah, I, I think we should probably lay out for folks who haven't watched these yet. These are not canon stories. These are not like, I don't know if any of these could fit into 
the Star Wars sort of galaxy as we know it right now mm -hmm. without a little bit of like squinting and finagling ways to make it all fit. But mm -hmm. I think that it also, because of that, it allows each story to kind of not be beholden to some of the things that Star Wars tends to hold its stories to. Mm -hmm. And so while they are not necessarily canon, I think there's enough here that feels like Star Wars in each episode that you could see each of these to a different degree being spun off into a either like a, a series of animated films or an animated series or like for instance uh, the duel already has a novel that is based off of it um, yeah that I'm, that I'm excited to read you know so you know, I, I think that everything here more or less could be picked up elsewhere but and, and maybe one day it will be retconned into being canon of some kind but these are not like new Luke Skywalker stories by any means Mm. I think it's important to note that. Mm -hmm. um, now, uh, would you guys like to go through this sort of episode by episode or talk favorites and least favorites? How how do you guys want to approach this? Hmm. I didn't really rank them by favorites. Okay, so we'll, we'll episode by episode. Yeah. Okay. okay. So let's, let's start with the first one, The Duel. Uh, Matt, you said you were looking up the different um, studios that did these. Yes. Do you have any background on the folks that made The Duel? I do. The, this one was Studio... Duga, Duga, uh, Studio Kamikaze Duga. I don't know the full pronunciation. Also, I don't know if you guys knew this. There are nine ep nine different episodes, but only seven different studios. Yes, two They're studios did multiple mm -hmm. episodes, right? And they are not the episodes you think would be linked together for oh, the uh, studio. Okay. Um. So yeah. So this first one, they haven't done a ton. They've done a little bit. They did Ninja Batman, which I felt might be oh, up your alley, Brian. I have, seen, I have seen Batman Ninja before. It's fun. Yes, that they've done. And they've done some different work with JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. They weren't the studio that did the full animation, but the um, some of the spinoff TV series they did. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, I, yeah, I looked up the, the studios, what they worked on, and then the voice actors as well. So, do you okay. know the big, the big normal voice actor for this one? No. Can I guess? Yeah. Was it Lucy Liu? It was Lucy Liu. Lucy Liu is the bandit. Very mm. cool. Kind of reminiscent of her Kill Bill role. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do we think of this one? Chef Kiss, perfect way to start it. I mean, it is the it is the visual and everything of the Seven Samurai and for once in Star Wars breaks that story mold because we see the seven samurai and they suck. Um, and then comes in this other Ronin character that flips the script and um, awesome battles, awesome story. Uh, coolest lightsaber I think we've ever seen. So lots of, lots of pluses in this. Are you talking about the lightsaber umbrella? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. One, one of multiple umbrellas in this, uh, series of films yes that's true i forgot about that yes uh liz what'd you think of this one i i really liked this one and i know i said i'd rank them but i i feel like this one might have been my favorite episode um stylistically um and also story-wise i liked the black and white um i i liked that you know the the different pieces of color were the lightsabers um mm -hmm. sort of you know wandering um ronin i i really liked this one um it felt like maybe you know what what star wars was you know based on um mm -hmm. i i really liked this episode and yeah it, so sorry and just so many of the episodes felt um I, I felt like the creators were free to do what they wanted here with these episodes. They weren't sort of beholden to a larger I don't know, person or committee. Um, and I, I, I think that's why I liked, you know, this episode and all of them, really. They, you know, writers, whoever it was, they could do what they want. Do what they wanted. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely uh, agree with, with all of that. Um, my... 
I don't want to say my problem with this because that is that is a very wrong way to say that. I had no problem with this. this I thought this was very very good. Um, <laughs> my one sort of I guess uh, note on this is that I um, I feel like this one is the expected Star Wars story. Like if you if you mm-hmm. told somebody, okay, we're gonna do a Star Wars anime, they're gonna be like, all right, it's gonna be a, a Ronin story. Like that just feels like kind of what you would predict a Star Wars anime would be. Mm-hmm. And so this one did not surprise me in the way that some later ones did. That is not a a knock on the uh, on anything that we get on screen. It's mm-hmm. just more of a conversation about. Um, you know what the uh what it could be versus what we got whereas this one seemed to be the closest alignment between a hypothetical star wars anime and an actual star wars anime mm. yeah um, I, I i for me it was different yeah. enough from the fact that like we've seen the seven samurai in clone wars and we saw it in mandalorian but the addition of it being a sith and being the main character not involved in the actual defense of the village was uh, like a half step enough away for me to be okay with it. I agree with that. Hmm. I think if he was part of like the group that they had hired to fight the bandits, I'd be like, I've seen this a thousand times now and I'm done, but (laughs) it was enough to keep me interested. All right. Well, let's, let's jump over to the next story then, which is Tatooine Rhapsody. Uh, give us the uh, the pedigree here, Matt. There we go. Uh, Studio Colorado. Um, I always say Colorado, but it's not. Um, they're best known for the Bleach spinoff, Burn the Witch. Okay. Um, and the big voice actors there is our buddy Bobby Moynihan, who's becoming a Star Wars staple now, I guess. Um, <laughs> and Gordon Joseph Levitt. Oh. Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize mm-hmm. he was Gordon Levitt. No. About that. Okay. Yeah, he was wow, Jay. that kind of blew my mind. Yeah, yeah, I did not realize that either. Bobby Moynihan, the creepiest hut in the world. I don't ever want to see a hut with hair ever again. <laughs> I, so my, my question was, is that really hair or is that a wig? Is he, <laughs> is he like playing emo by putting a wig yeah. on? That's I, what I, uh, please be a wig. I, I do not want to know that they can grow hair. That's what I called him in my notes, emo hut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, this one is probably, if not my least favorite, sort of number number eight on my ranking list. And that's not to say I didn't like it. I just felt like this was um, very, very silly. And mm-hmm. um, nothing is wrong with that. It's just that I, 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 I don't know. This wasn't this wasn't my favorite, but again, I did not yeah. dislike it at all. Um, so wait, fat boba or chibi boba? Which one wins? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I'm gonna say fat boba still wins. Sorry. Okay, uh, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> what did you think of this one, Matt? Uh, I thought it was I thought it was fun. Um, I like that it captured the idea of like everyday courage. That was neat to see. Um, but I mean, it was what it was supposed to be just something fun, you know, candy, nothing yeah. deep. So good to watch. I probably, there's ones that now I, I only watched everything once. Um, but as I go do the rewatch, I'm going to start watching them in, um, Japanese. Yes. This is probably one I'm going to skip. See, Although I, I want to see been... if that song is any better Ooh. in Japanese because it's bad in well, English. I was just going to say, uh, my friend and former podcast guest here and my podcast co-host in the DC3 cast, Zach, said that the song in Japanese whips and in English it sucks. So oh, okay. Uh, maybe um, I'll have to watch it then. Hmm. Yeah. So Liz, what did you think of this one? Um, I, I agree with all of the things that both of you said. My one question was at the end. So at the end, they they save Emo, emo Jabba, or do they just play until they die? Well, I think na- now they're like, they are sponsored by Jabba, so he is now um, going Luke, to like he's Luke Perlman. all of them. He's yeah. the Lou Pearlman to their Backstreet Boys yeah. and NSYNC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm, okay. I don't think mm. there's ever been a more apt 
comparison for Lou Pearlman than <laughs> Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> that is sadly <laughs> accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I, so I was trying to convince Amelia to watch this with me, my daughter Amelia, and I said there's an episode where a hut joins a band and she, like, cracked up. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I would think that for for kids, this is maybe one of the more enjoyable episodes. Yeah, yeah I did like when Jabba was tapping his tail, just yes, getting I, into I, it. I did enjoy that mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, that brings us to the twins. Matt, give us the background on the twins. The twins is by Studio Trigger, who also is one of our ones that did two of them. Um, we'll see if you can guess what the other one they did was. So they've done, um, Gurren Lagann was the old thing. They're probably best known now for Kill a Kill. Um, and they're working on the cyberpunk anime spinoff for Netflix, which may or may not be happening because a bunch of things licensed with cyberpunk 2055. And then when the game sucked, everything fell apart. Um, <laughs> Uh, but Liz O'Brien, do you know who the voice actors of the twins were? So this mm-hmm. I did look up, but I've already forgotten who it is. So <laughs> somewhere in my gray matter, I know where it is, but nowhere that I can pull from. Neil Patrick Harris and Allison Brie. Yes. Really? Yep. So this was the first episode <laughs> where I said, like, holy shit, I need more of this. Mm-hmm. Like this is something I want to see them expand. Whether it's in like a manga comic, whether it's in more anime shorts, whether it's in a full length film, like this to me seems like it is super ripe mm-hmm. for the picking. Like this, this was yeah. There was a lot of really beautiful visual symbolisms. Like not, not there was symbolism, and there was also just like great design. Like this one had. There were those like Kyber powered suits they wore mm-hmm. that were just amazing. And this felt like a pilot for something bigger than this. Yeah. I, I also liked how in 12 minutes they were able to better tell a story of two people connected by fate than Kylo Ren and Ray that they did in three movies. Yeah, yes. that was watching and I was like, too. oh, yeah. wow, this is this is better than that story. OK, that's something that impressed me so much with all of these is that these stories are so engaging and some of them are only 13 minutes long. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty astounding how much they were able to pack into this one. There's one later that really felt like the most brisk Star Wars has ever moved. Uh, mm-hmm. but we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, for this one, I thought this was just a... Um, this also felt the most Star Wars of the first three of them. Like, if, 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 you, okay. had, if you had taken Jabba and Boba and, like, the lightsaber microphone out of Tatooine Rhapsody, I don't know if you would necessarily track that as a Star Wars story. Mm-hmm. But there was nothing here. There was no pre-existing characters here, and so I feel like if you would watch this and not known it was Star Wars, you'd be like, "This is ripping off Star Wars." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it just felt very, very Star Warsy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, which is great. I, I, th- I think there's a couple. Of, there's some that I think hit closer to that than others, um, and I think this is one of the ones that does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was one of the first ones, too. I feel like a number of them tend to, not not necessarily the end, but some of them at the end, they leave you with some sort of, uh, I don't think moral is the right word, lesson. Um, Or I think it was uh, the brother was saying, you know, don't live for someone else. You're free to choose your own destiny. Mm -hmm. I feel like a good deal of the stories after this tend to leave us with things like that, that um, maybe like Yoda does throughout Star Wars. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree with that. That that's well said, Liz. Thank you. Um. All right. I, I'm gonna try to keep things moving here a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Let, let's talk about the Village Bride, the fourth yep. episode. Matt, give us the background on this. Uh, this is Kinema Citrus, which is a um studio made up of members of a couple former groups. 
So it's made up from people from Studio Bones and Production IG, which Production IG actually made The Ninth Jedi. Um, so combined, these people have put together Fullmetal Alchemist, Wolf's Reign, Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex, and the animated ad- adaptation of Pa Rappa the Rapper. Oh, so, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow, pa Rappa the Rapper. There is something I haven't thought about in a minute. Exactly. You know how many episodes that show had? 30. That's it? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that that's it. I thought that was ten times more than I thought it deserved. Oh no, I, I I feel like that show was always on when I would flip on Cartoon Network at a certain time <laughs> of day. So um, but yeah, okay. Let's um let's do uh, any notable voice actors in this one. Uh, Carly Hikui to- Tagawa, um, who you would know from essentially anything that has a scary Asian lead in it. Okay, so, he's in Mortal Kombat. He's in um. Wow, literally everything. Planet of the Apes, Tekken, License to Kill, it's everything. So <laughs> if you look him up, you'll recognize his face. Okay. So um, this one, all of the Star Wars stuff kind of happened like on the periphery, like in the in the first five and last three minutes of this episode. Mm-hmm. Everything in the middle was, was a very like uh, just sort of uh, easily contained story about this village and sort of the the tradition of sacrificing a, an elder or a, a leader, whatever the, the, the term you want to use is, and and then sort of the fighting against that. I like this. I don't have super strong feelings about this. What about you guys? I, I, I'm not joking. I cried. I thought it was beautiful, and I love everything about it. So I love yeah, it. The, I love this scent. Yeah, it, when when she comes out and you know rips off the mask and reveals herself, like I I, I just cried. Uh, it was it was it was great. Liz, I I feel like that is tough to follow, but I I also <laughs> like Brian was you know kind of eh, this one is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I I thought this one, and I think there's at least one other one too, where there seems to be a strong connection with nature, with the natural world, mm-hmm. um, through the force in some way as well. Yeah, yeah. That that's an interesting, that's an interesting way to put it. I hadn't thought of that, but yes, there are a couple that feel very much like, sort of like how Yoda talks about the force in mm-hmm. um, Empire Strikes Back. You know, similar mm-hmm. to that. I did like this the Jedi the just known as F in this episode. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh that's a character I would like to see more of too. But again, I think for seven or eight of these there is clear spin-off potential for these characters. Oh yeah, in, definitely. In one way or another. Yes. All right, that's going to bring us to the ninth Jedi. Matt, take it away. Uh this is from Production IG. They are the ones um you know, that split off. Some of their members went to Kinema Citrus. The current production IG is um, well-known for Psychopaths, Ghost in the Shell, Neon Genesis Evangelion, and Prince of Tennis, one through a thousand. So, and Masi Oka making appearance as Ethan. Hero from Heroes. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. well, again, something I haven't thought about in a minute. Heroes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The poor man's lost. No. Uh, <laughs> um so Liz, what did you think of this one? Um I enjoyed this episode. I I like a story where someone who perhaps is not told they possess perhaps certain abilities uh suddenly finds out that they do like Kara here um and you know she comes through and discovers perhaps the strength that she possesses in this episode um i do enjoy also it's another episode i feel like there's a real um strong focus on kyber crystals in a lot of these mm-hmm. episodes yes. and this is another one of those that focuses on looking for those crystals um, and also just uh, looking for Jedi. It was interesting in these stories, too, how it seemed time period-wise it, it didn't matter. Um, either, you know, the Sith were in power and the Jedi were decimated. I think there was another episode where um, uh, a Jedi makes a reference to how, you know, the Sith haven't been around for hundreds of years. And this is one where, um, you know, the Sith are in power and people are looking for the Jedi. And that's what we discover Kara is here. 
Yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed uh, a couple of aspects. Of this. this might even be my favorite one overall. Um, it's mm-hmm. one, one of my favorite ones. Um, I I really liked the sort of um, like the, the 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 twist reveal that the people you think of the Jedi were actually Sith. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was handled pretty well. I liked this idea of there being these Jedi that are out in the wild that need to be collected. I love that. But the thing I like the most here is my least favorite bit of Star Wars lore, maybe. That's a bold statement, but one of my least favorite bits of Star Wars lore is the Sith rule of two. Mm. Because it's so... It is... It is, first of all, poorly <laughs> executed almost always. It's ignored yeah. sometimes. And it means that you can't do certain really fun and good things because you have to adhere to this stupid rule. And this totally throws the rule of two out. And so I really appreciated that about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Matt, what do you think of this? Uh, I really liked it. I, this is the one that I would say I, I think felt the most Star Warsy. It felt very natural in the Star Wars world, um, which I liked. And I really enjoyed the deeper kyber crystal lightsaber exploration, the idea of the different colors. We see the purple lightsaber being a redeemed color lightsaber, which has been theorized forever with Mace Windu. Um and as Liz brought up, I was thinking as Liz was talking, I think a an object that has its own living life force that responds to the good and bad nature of those who wield it is a very Japanese Shinto feeling thing. So I can kind of see why a lot of these really use that as their like focal point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I I like what we see with the lightsabers in this one hmm. and the action is great. I mean, all of them, the action is great, but this, the scene on the, um, the, the speeder chase scene and the lightsaber fight scenes are very, very good in this one. So I loved the aspect of the lightsaber glowing clear initially. Like mm-hmm. when when the when somebody who is not a force user lights it up, it's just sort of a clear blade. I really like that. Um, but like you said, Matt, the, the the whole like bringing in the the user changes the crystal in a way that changes the color. I, I thought all that was really really interesting and really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely like to see more in this in this universe. I think especially because. We have, you know, so we we know there's other Jedi out there that they're going to look for now. Mm-hmm. So there there seems to be like a pre-made story just waiting for these characters. Yeah, this one felt the most like it's a setup to get its own series. Agreed. Hello, denizens of Earth 1218. We're the hosts of Make Mind Multiversity, a twice monthly podcast, and it is I, Jake, the Taskmaster one. And I'm Elias, the Bendis one. Make Mind Multiversity is your handy guide to all things Marvel. Each month we get into it with long looks at the careers of Marvel creators, characters, themes, whatever. Sometimes that means we dig into the X-Books of the recent-ish months, and sometimes that means figuring out which series is our monthly heavyweight champion. Sometimes we even have lists. And other times we have book clubs on Marvel series, past and present. Coming down by good old Skylaser to your podcatcher of choice every first and third Friday. Excelsior. Excelsior indeed. All right, we got four more here to get through. Uh, the next one is called TOB1. Matt, yep. who did this one? Uh, Science Saru, they, again, are a pretty new one. They are probably best known for their Food Chain episode of Adventure Time, uh, the movie Inuo, and the Hieke story. Um, this one features, believe it or not, Kyle Chandler as Professor Mikitsaka. Wow. Yeah. Wow. How about you? Didn't think that was gonna be? <laughs> Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Liz, what'd you think of this one? Um, I, I liked this episode. I, this was another one um, that seemed to draw upon, you know, that idea of the natural world um, of nature. It was the professor's um, 
I, I think, main goal here, it, it seemed in some ways. Um, I, I got some weird Pinocchio vibes when he bought, brought this. I, is, mm. he a dro- is he a droid? Uh, yeah, he's a droid. Yeah, that's what I thought here. And he brought him to life. Um, mm-hmm. And it seems like, you know, their goal was to um, bring this planet to life. Um I, I I liked it. I'm trying. I'm just scanning through my my notes here, um, and I, again, sort of the idea that I I think in a lot of these episodes that anyone can be a Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it it doesn't matter. You know who your parents are, who your family is. Um, I liked that aspect of this episode as well. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the idea of a droid Jedi is something we've never really seen in, like, mainline Star Wars before. Yeah. And it, it offers a lot of interesting hypothetical philosophical questions. It does. You know, yeah. That, you know, like, it does. I, I had written up each of these episodes for Multiversity, and I had said, like, so in Jedi, we see Luke lift up 3PO. Is he lifting the Force within 3PO? Is he lifting the force around 3PO? Like questions like that you have to ask when talking about if a droid can be a Jedi. But I really mm-hmm. enjoyed all of this, all of that stuff in this episode. I loved the music in this episode. Mm-hmm. It sounded like um Jacques Cousteau music <laughs> in, in in some ways, like uh, mm-hmm. just these sort of like, you know, synthesizer blippy bloppies, and I really, really liked that. Uh, this was definitely like the cutest one. This was the one that was going for the most. Um, uh, did, yeah, like, did you visually, visually, yes, yes visually, yes. exactly. Yeah, yes. well, yeah, because it's a it's a riff off of um, Astro, Astro Boy. Boy, exactly. Yeah. Yes, but this is also one of the darkest ones. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in a lot of ways, this is, this is pretty bleak. <laughs> That's the part where I was like, "Oh, this is real cute." It was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like everyone just keeps getting maimed. <laughs> yeah, and like, when his arm comes off, it's pretty Ooh. dramatic. That was yeah, that was tough. Yeah. Oh, and then like the the droid gets killed. He's really about that. <laughs> yep. And that's one of his. I mean, that's one of his people. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yikes. yeah. Um. That this begins a series of episodes that I feel like were way darker than anything we'd get in a regular Star Wars episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The next one is maybe not as dark, but the two after that really dig into some dark places. So yeah. let's, let, let's quickly talk about the Elder. Matt, yep. give us the rundown on the Elder. Uh, Elder is also my studio trigger, believe it or not, the one that made the twins. Despite oh, okay. being super visually different, um, that ha- stars David Harbour as um, Tajin. If you're trying to place where that voice came from, can I? Can and I then, reveal, uh, sorry, go ahead. Finish up that. Yeah, I right. something with the oh, voice. And, and of course, James Hong as the elder. So I, when I heard David Harbour's voice at first, I thought, "Holy shit." They backed up a dump truck full of money to Harrison Ford's house, and this is Harrison Ford because he has this very like bored, laconic delivery mm-hmm. that sounds like when Harrison Ford isn't interested. It sounds like Harrison Ford in that scene in The Rise of Skywalker, where where he apparently refused to shave before going on screen. So Ghost Han Solo has five o'clock shadow. Um, you know that's uh, that's what it sounded like to me. Now that when you know it's David Harbour, you're like, oh, okay, that's him. But it did, yeah. it gave off that like very, uh, very just you know tired mm-hmm. ugh, kind of Harrison Ford feel. Uh, yeah. th- this might be my least favorite episode. <gasps> oh, I liked this one. Again, I don't think it was bad. I just this didn't, this didn't do anything for me. Like I don't, I don't think I need more of this story. I don't think I don't know. It just it just it wasn't. Uh, I don't know. This one just didn't just didn't do it for me. I guess if I, if I read directly from my notebook, it says this is what I want Star Wars to be. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> oh, diverse opinions here. <laughs> but I like I like that we have different yeah. opinions about. This. But I think also as an anime fan appreciating this style, 
And there's something about it that felt very anime in the dichotomy of it, in the idea of very boring, mundane, and then instantly life-threatening. Very serious and fun to as dark as it gets. That very jarring um, juxtaposition is a very anime thing. And I think I'm very much trained to look for that. So I think that's why this resonated a little bit more with me. Um, and also the fighting style was fantastic. I've never seen a Jedi fight the the way that um, Tajin did. It was really, really cool. A purely defensive stance. Um, and then just, you know, killing a guy by drawing his blade, which was cool. Yeah, I, I liked that this seemed like a self-contained story in some ways, just that showed this relationship between Master and, and Padawan and, you know, what their relationship was like. And then I I did like the way it ended, the way um, Tejan was talking about time mm-hmm. um, and how, you know, time defeats all of us. Um, and, you know, what he had to say about power. Um, and kindness at the end, I liked. And I, I felt like it was sort of a story that was like a beginning and an end. And mm-hmm. that, was, that was it. That was all we were getting with this. And I, I did like that. I don't, I don't disagree with that. There was one visual I really enjoyed too, which is the way that the elder's body like decomposes. Mm. Yes. It felt like a time mm-hmm. lapse of a fox. You ever seen that thing? I think it was, I think it was the beginning yeah. of a big of uh true yes, blood so. true blood yeah oh. yeah where there was like a fox that was like decomposed in the opening credits it felt mm-hmm. like that that was a really good visual yeah. touch i think that was it's a great counterpoint to the um like the evaporation of the jedi like i loved that yes it was like mm-hmm. have we not done this before yeah well, that's the thing. You give these people an opportunity. These people. I sound like an old man here. These people. You, you give new people an opportunity to tell stories sort of divorced from from the strict, you know, uh, confines of what Star Wars has always been. And mm-hmm. you get interesting things like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. All right. Let's talk about the next two, which I think in some ways are maybe the most interesting to talk about. Uh, we have Lop and Ocho. Give us the background on yeah. these folks, Matt. Lop and Ocho comes from Gino Studio, which essentially picked up the entirety of the Manglobe um, team when that studio went under. Um, so this is a really strong pedigree for the studio. So they're the ones who made Samurai Shampoo, Ergo Proxy, Dead Man, Wonderland, and pretty much anything that you recognize anime wise from the um early 2000s they had their hands in so really strong visuals on this which is why this one also probably felt the most visually like generic anime because these people defined what generic anime is so. sure uh so i really enjoyed this episode uh in part because i'm not like I'm anime knowledgeable enough to recognize exactly what you're talking about, Matt. Mm-hmm. So this felt very much like sort of what I thought anime. Like before I watched any anime, this is what I thought anime was like. Yeah. If that makes sense. But mm-hmm. I thought the the emotional core of this episode was so fucking brutal <laughs> and mm-hmm. so heartrending at the end that it was just oh god. I I I really felt all the feelings at the end of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this one also, this, I I was almost as much as Ninth Jedi felt like it was a setup to a story. Oh, it has to be. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Which, which I a hundred percent am for a, because I thought this was a really cool and interesting story. And B, I love the fact that George Lucas hates that people put bunnies in his universe. <laughs> this is Jackson, and, baby. Yeah, and I want to continue that as much as possible. <laughs> That's one of the first things notes I put down was a bunny? <laughs> Rabbit question mark? Yep. Yep. What did you think of this yeah. one, Liz? I, I agree with all of the things that both of you said. I really enjoyed this episode. And yeah, it was emotionally devastating also to watch. And I didn't expect an incomplete ending. And I would like more of yeah. this 
story. This is one where when it ended, I thought to myself, I, I need more. And I thought it was interesting, too, in that, you know, it asked these questions of, you know, also, you know, what what is family? How do we define family? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, found family. And in some ways, you know, I think perhaps if you're a Jedi, you know, other Jedi are also a sort of found family, um, which kind of loops maybe this back into sort of a Star Wars um, idea as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's funny how something so divergent from Star Wars you know, visually and everything else other than like, you know, stormtroopers being in it really hits the emotional core of what makes Star Wars what it is. Mm-hmm. Fighting for what's right regardless of the cost, the importance of family and believing in yourself, um, which I, I, I love. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I, I also, you know, we briefly touched on this, but this is the first time we've ever seen. I mean, you know, there there are a couple of funny memes out there about Obi Wan telling Luke that it was his father's lightsaber. He wanted him to have it. There's one meme where it's like where Anakin is burning up on the uh, on the uh, in Mustafar, and he's like, "Give yep. this to my son one day." You know, like, um, but like. <laughs> you know, but this this is the first time that we've seen like a a lightsaber passed down not as a Jedi weapon but as a family heirloom, mm-hmm. and so I I enjoyed that piece of it. But I also like what I think is so brilliant about this is while you vehemently disagree with Ocho in this episode, you kind of understand why she's doing what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a black and white situation here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was I, I, I greatly enjoyed that uh, as well. Mm-hmm. All right, and that brings us to our final episode, which I have a lot to say about. Uh, Ak- Akakiri, I believe is how it's pronounced. I'm not entirely uh, sure. Yeah. I had a hard time. Uh, Akakiri, I think, yeah. Akakiri. Matt, give us the background on this one. Uh, this is, again, by Science Saru, the ones that did uh, T-O-B-I, or Toby, if depends on if you want to go with early or late, I guess, yes. version <laughs> of him. Um, and then, obviously, George Takei making an appearance because he had to. <laughs> and then, do you, did either of you recognize the voice of um, Subaki? No. No. Henry Golding oh, from Crazy no. Rich Asians. Henry Golding? Mm-hmm. Yep. Huh. Yeah. Th- yeah. This was a brave choice of an episode in general, and then to put it as number nine. Yes. Was <laughs> wild. This this is the boldest thing that Star Wars has literally ever done. This feel, in, in my opinion, in my opinion, like <laughs> this felt like the end of the Empire Strikes Back. If it ended. When Luke got his hand cut off and it faded to black, like, <laughs> yeah. like, like there, yeah. there's and, no, and then there was no Jedi, <laughs> right? That's exactly. how it ends. Yeah, like this episode. First of all, this is the scariest the Sith has ever been. Mm-hmm. I'm not joking about that. This is the yeah. scariest mm-hmm. Sith ever. The fact that she was like, "Oh, I can save her," and then does. So that's the whole thing. Like when. Um, Darth Sidious or Palpatine, however we're referring to him, when he tells Anakin he can save Padme. I don't know if he believed he could actually do that. Mm-hmm. He was saying that to manipulate Anakin. Mm-hmm. But here, the Sith says what she can do and then does yep. it. And like the Jedi, it basically goes like, well, fuck me. I guess I guess I'm a yeah. Sith now. Like, you <laughs> but, know. but also has the Jedi kill his own love interest. Imagine if Palpatine had had Anakin accidentally kill Padme instead of pretending he did and telling him a story about it right oh man yeah bold choices here (laughs) yeah oh what did you think liz i i i I thought it was great and like i said there are just so many bold choices and this episode just was such a short story and so much was accomplished in such a short period of time this is the I, one I, I was talking about before by the way so keep going i have i have, want to mm-hmm. add to that when you're done okay and i believed that he he cared deeply for this woman even though we only had 13 minutes to get mm-hmm. to know them and i yeah. believed that he would 
do this for her you know in the face of like we said of this terrifying sif um and and it seems as if you know he, he were desperate you know he was talking about i think um destiny and how you know there is no destiny and he wouldn't fulfill that destiny and then you know ultimately he he does um it was just it was a very powerful episode and it was just in such you know a short period of time i just i i just watched it tonight so i feel like it's sticking you know strongly in my Mm -hmm. mind um all of that but i i think the flashback in the episode helped with that as well yes Mm -hmm. um i i really liked that i i don't think any of the other episodes used flashbacks but i think that was very um helpful as well Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean it it told a love story and tragedy again better than the films on screen did with all of their time in just a few minutes Yes. Yeah. I completely agree with that. <laughs> this episode wasted not one second of time. <laughs> no. There, there, there's a scene where um, Subaki, who's the name of the Jedi, says to, uh, I forget the name of his love interest now, uh, I want to come with you. And she doesn't argue. He just goes with her. <laughs> and, like, sometimes in Star Wars, there are these long debates about these things. But, like, all of that was trimmed out here and just. It was all the fat was this was the leanest episode we got and just an incredible, mm-hmm. incredibly great expectation. A, a great uh a great follow up on what the expectation of a dark Star Wars story could be. Like I think mm-hmm. all of us have thought about what if Star Wars was had a had darker stories, but I don't think any of us could have pictured this story. No. Absolutely not. And that's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> and and then we and then just fade to black. Thanks for coming to watch our uh, <laughs> yeah. our our Star Wars visions. That, that's it. Just ends, and then it's like, do you want to watch the Bad Batch? I'm like, like no, no, <laughs> no, I need a minute. Like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I need to process my emotions. Yeah. <laughs> So this this is definitely, I think, the most pertinent question I'm going to ask you guys tonight, which is that what do you want to see Star Wars do with visions going forward? I I mean, I, I like this. I but I'm a sucker for this sort of stuff. I enjoy the animatrix. I enjoy the um shoot i forget what the pitch the there's something but an animated shorts thing between pitch black and riddick like i like i like this exploratory storytelling um i think it's great i would love to see more of it uh i agree i i would like whatever happened in this process i assume they gave most creative control to uh, these studios the writers it seems like there probably wasn't too much oversight people involved. And I, I hope that continues because I, you know, obviously as I said at the beginning of this podcast, my experience with anime is limited, but I really enjoyed these nine episodes and these nine stories within the star Wars universe. I thought they were excellent. So I can't tell if I want them to do, nine more episodes from different studios that are starting new stories or if I want them to continue these stories going forward I kind of want both I know that's that's a little bit um that's a little bit controversial in terms of uh just not picking a side here you know to, 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 to quote uh Stephen Colbert hey oscillating fan pick a side we're at war um you know <laughs> but you know I think both options are equally valid and equally cool I would I would very much like to see just more of all of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And every I I do not know. I mean, I look. I, this this is a small circle of people in my life who are big enough Star Wars fans to watch Visions. But so from my friends who are really into anime, they love this. My mm-hmm. friends who have never watched an anime, 
they love this. My friends who are like original trilogy purists, they love this. My friends that are Clone Wars obsessives, they love this. Like hmm. this seems to be something that almost every stripe of Star Wars fan can agree on. And that's kind of crazy. I feel like in our adulthood, the only three things that Star Wars fans have ever agreed on is A, the first Force Awakens trailer is good. B, uh, <laughs> The Mandalorian is better than any Star Wars movie we've gotten since the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. And three, this is good. <laughs> Visions is good. Like that, yeah. That's it. So this seems like a clear win for Disney. I wonder if they did this again, if they wouldn't release them weekly as opposed to the way they did it this time. Everything yeah. at once. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. and I, and I, and I would do like a two episode bundle, so you have like a half hour of sure viewing maybe or something. But yeah, I, I whatever form this comes in, I would love to see it. And I'm also glad that this is something that back in the day, and a lot of these studios that have done this, uh, that like were tapped into for this, have done things like this before, but it usually ends up like a ten minute thing on a website that once the website's down, it's gone. Like, right. I don't want to have to watch something in a flash player. Like this gives it the respect that it deserves. Um, and I think that, I mean, Japanese styling with star Wars just goes well. Um, talking to somebody who's watched the, uh, anime trail anime intro for, I think it's tie fighter, the video game, um, a million times. So, been very well prepped for this. <laughs> so yeah, th- this is this is definitely a fun thing that I think that I think just about every Star Wars fan should give a shot to even if they don't think that this is going to be for them. Mhm. Give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah, if we had not done a podcast on this, I'm not sure I would have watched these episodes. Maybe eventually. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I did. There we go. I, I think that's yeah. the best endorsement we're going to get all night. Mm-hmm. So thank you for listening, folks. We truly appreciate it. Our next episode will also be an animation thing. The Star Wars Lego Halloween special is out. Yes! Right so we'll be talking about that in two weeks. Until then, go to multiversitycomics.com for more Star Wars, more comics, more everything. And remember, the Force will be with you always. Always.